This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. President Vladimir Putin said Russia would bolster its nuclear forces in a speech on Defender of the Fatherland Day, a public holiday. According to Mr. Putin, Russia will deploy the Sarmat Intercontinental Ballistic Missile, nicknamed Satan-2. On Tuesday, Mr. Putin withdrew from New START, Russia's last nuclear reduction treaty with America. Meanwhile, Ukraine said it had held off Russian incursions across the front line ahead of the anniversary of Russia's invasion on Friday. The Israeli army launched airstrikes on Gaza in retaliation for the firing of six rockets towards Israel by Palestinian militants. On Wednesday, Israeli forces had killed 11 Palestinians and injured scores more in a daytime raid in the West Bank. Five of the rockets were shot down by Israel's air defences. Israel and Palestine have experienced an uptick in violence this year. President Joe Biden nominated RJ Banga, a former chief executive of MasterCard, as president of the World Bank. David Malpass, the previous head, resigned last week, a year before his term was set to expire, amid concerns that he did not take climate change seriously. The bank's largest shareholders, including America, are seeking to expand its operations to focus on combating global warming. Olaf Scholz, Germany's Chancellor, said that there should be, quote, no illusions over China's professed neutrality in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. His comments echo those by other Western leaders. America earlier warned that China is considering supplying Russia with weapons. On Friday, China is due to unveil what is touting as a peace plan to resolve the conflict. The EU waived sanctions requiring charities to seek approval before sending aid to certain recipients in Syria to ease earthquake recovery efforts. The waiver will last six months, matching one issued earlier by America's Treasury Department, covering money transfer for disaster relief. Since 2011, Syria's regime, as well as firms and individuals associated with it, has been under sanction over its brutal conduct in the civil war. Police in Northern Ireland suspect that the gunmen who critically injured an off-duty officer were members of the new IRA, a militant group. John Coldwell, a police detective, was shot repeatedly by two men in the town of Omar on Wednesday. Tensions have been rising as Rishi Sunak, Britain's Prime Minister, pushes to reform Northern Ireland's post-Brexit trade arrangements with the European Union. The European Commission ordered all staff to remove TikTok, the Chinese-owned social media app, from their work phones citing concerns over data security. Employees will also have to delete TikTok from their personal phones if they have work-related apps installed. Western governments worry that TikTok shares the data it gathers from users with Chinese authorities. America banned the app on government phones. And fact of the day, $7.2 billion. The estimated combined revenues of the Premier League clubs in 2022-23 to 
according to Deloitte, an accounting and consulting firm. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A Year of War in Ukraine The war in Ukraine will mark its first anniversary on Friday. The conflict has defied expectations. Russian forces were defeated around Kyiv, routed in Kharkiv, and have suffered up to 60,000 deaths. Now the Russian army is engaged in a broad offensive in eastern Ukraine, stretching from Kupiansk in Kharkiv province to Volodar in Donetsk province. The Russians are making small gains. The city of Bakhmut in Donetsk could fall in days or weeks. Still, the offensive falls short of expectations. Russia has little in reserve and its ammunition is running dangerously low. Vicious quarrels between Wagner, a mercenary group that has done much of the fighting around Bakhmut, and Russia's military leadership have burst into the open in recent days. Ukraine hopes to exploit this disarray with a counteroffensive in the spring, but there is little sign that Vladimir Putin will abandon his catastrophic war. What's next for Japan's economy? There will be two big clues about the future of Japan's economic policy on Friday. The first will be the release of inflation figures for January. Core inflation, which excludes volatile food costs, reached 4% in December, a 41-year high. Yet so far, the Bank of Japan has maintained an ultra-loose monetary policy, even as other central banks raised interest rates sharply. The BOJ's current governor, Kuroda Haruhiko, has argued the country needs sustained wage growth before unwinding monetary stimulus. Tightening too early could throw the economy into recession or deflation. The market is making the BOJ pay. Last month, it bought a record 24 trillion yen, or $176 billion worth, of government bonds to preserve its yield curve control policy that is a big part of its monetary easing. Managing the mess falls on Mr. Kuroda's successor, Ueda Kazo, a respected academic due to take over in April. He will offer the second clue about Japan's economic future later on Friday when he speaks at a confirmation hearing in Parliament, his first public appearance since his nomination. Telecom Italia mulls a takeover offer Telecom Italia's problems began more than two decades ago. In 1999, a leveraged buyout by Olivetti, a smaller telecoms firm, saddled Italy's national telecoms operator, also known as TIM, with huge debts, which have now grown to an unmanageable 25.5 billion euros, or $27.1 billion. Could another deal reverse its fortunes? TIM's board will meet on Friday to discuss an offer from KKR, an American private equity investor. It wants to acquire the company's landline infrastructure for 20 billion euros. But KKR has several stakeholders to impress. Vivendi, a French investment firm, holds nearly a quarter of TIM's stock and wants a 31 billion euro valuation for the unit. Italy's government, which has veto power over a deal, likes KKR's cash, but dislikes the idea of a foreign firm managing its largest telecoms infrastructure network. It could seek to acquire a controlling stake in the grid via state-backed firms. A Legal Reckoning for Abortion Pills in Texas 
Last summer, America's Supreme Court ruled that the legality of abortion is a matter for the states to decide, but federal district judges can, in many circumstances, issue nationwide injunctions. A case pending in Texas, with final briefs due on Friday, could result in the withdrawal from pharmacies across America of Mifepristone, half of a two-drug regimen women use to end first-trimester pregnancies. The plaintiff, a right-wing health group, claims that America's Food and Drug Administration never adequately explored mifepristone's safety. The FDA rejects the allegation. It says that it has demonstrated over more than two decades that mifepristone is not harmful. The matter now lies with Matthew Kaczmarek, a judge in Texas who was appointed by Donald Trump and has a conservative record on and off the bench. If he reverses FDA approval of the drug, the abortion method used by more than half of the American women who terminate their pregnancies could be suspended, with little assurance that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court would see the matter differently. Streaming Giants Ride a New French Wave the last French spy to hold foreign streaming audiences captive was Malotreux, the inscrutable protagonist of Le Bureau, a French-language thriller. Executives at Apple TV Plus will hope that Liaison, their first dual French and English-language series released on Friday, proves to be a similar hit. The Pacey spy drama is about several geopolitical headaches at once. Cybercrime, the Syrian regime, Russian mercenaries, and Brexit. On hand to sort things out are Vincent Castle, who plays a former French intelligence agent, and Eva Green, whose character works in British counterterrorism. Apple is probably trying to emulate its rival's success in producing French-language content. Lupin, a Netflix show about a heist at the Louvre, reached a third of the streamer's subscribers in the first quarter of 2021. Netflix viewers also binged on Call My Agent, a comedy drama about talent agents in Paris. French auteurs helped to shape modern cinema. Francophone screenwriters may yet do the same for the streaming age. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. Friday. Which American prohibition agent led a team dubbed the Untouchables? Thursday. Which Native American people who lived along the St. Lawrence River were also known as the Wyandot? The winners of this week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword, published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners, chosen at random, were Guillermo Garrido, Orlando, Florida, America. Elon Wu, Delft, the Netherlands. Moritz Gerlach, Berlin, Germany. They all gave the correct answers of Constitution, Curfew, Irish, and Nicola. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from George William Curtis, who was born on this day in 1824. While we read history, we make history. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. 
and subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.